Ian Phillips. And I'm Trevor Chow Fraser. And this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about local history based in Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichie, Wiskaigon on Treaty 6 territory. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. And this is a podcast where we talk about becoming a historian. Uh, all right, so Trevor, welcome to the study cave. Um, it's essay week, so this is going to be a short-ish one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 can, I can see that you need this to be short. Yeah, <laughs> and I, actually, I I really just came by to to check on you because mm. I know it's the end of the t- end of your first term in grad school. Uh, I know that can be a rocky time. Mm-hmm. So, how are you feeling? Um, I'm excited about learning about the Rocky Mountains. Um, it's always a rocky time in your mm-hmm. dissertation. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I have definitely days of being like, oh my God, like, I can't believe the amount of work I have to do before December 7th, but also like the amount of work that I have to do is like, learn some cool stuff about Parks Canada history, go through like super old archival documents of like letters from park superintendents in 1904. It's pretty cool stuff that I quote have to do right now well that's a good spirit to have (laughs) i did ask around to see um like questions for how to support your friend in grad school oh yeah so so the first question i was told is how many times have you cried this term it's okay oh hmm um i don't think i've I think I've more like smashed my head into a keyboard than cried. That's usually how I get my frustration out. So like that's how you get the tears to start flowing. Yeah. By smashing your face. <laughs> so I, I think the like bang my head into the keyboard thing has happened like four times probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And do you feel supported in your program? Uh yeah I feel I've yeah pretty supported yeah yeah I've got like various people around me in the department who are like varying levels of of helpful so far with grant application stuff and like checking in what classes and stuff I should take but uh yeah I'd say I feel fairly supported and are you finding time in your 31 hour day to Mm. take care of yourself um well uh, depend, it depends on how you define take care of yourself. Uh, do I have a, a mug here with a banana in it? <laughs> you, Mugs yeah. aren't the right shape for bananas. N- n- no, no. <laughs> uh, I would say this has definitely been uh, a, a low week for like eating well. Uh, it's been a donut party type of week. Mm. Um, yeah. Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I begged Finn to go down to Richie and grab me some of those. Yeah. Nice. Well, whatever it takes. Oh, no, that's not what I was supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Work-life balance. Find a balance. Don't just, like, <laughs> cram everything into your brain and get it out on paper and do whatever it takes to keep your body going. Mm. You're supposed to take care of yourself. Mm. But, I mean, it looks like you're doing well. So, uh, end of term. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been through a lot, mm-hmm. uh, as as our listeners know. What's what's kind of dominating your thoughts right now? Uh, I'm simultaneously working on two essays: one for my parks class, one for my historical writing class. Um, so working on those two things is 
big in my head, trying to find sources and and whatnot. Um, and the other thing is I have a huge grant application due um, in like three days. Um, it's like $17,000 um, and uh, it requires it requires like putting my brain about what feels like like a year forward in time to make uh, an argument about like how I'm the best qualified person to get this funding and I totally have my thesis figured out and I know what all my sources are and I I really uh I've I've like literally just started school (laughs) (laughs) yeah that seems to be a common theme with grad school that it's like you're putting the horse before the cart yeah you you tell them what you are going to do before you for your dissertation before you like get there to start learning (laughs) and then you have to tell (laughs) the grantors what you've already going to accomplish even though you don't know what it how to start off um and you can't do it without the money that they won't give you unless they think that you know what you're doing yeah the the so the grant i'm applying for is the canada graduate scholarship from shirk which stands for the uh, Social Science and Humanities Research Council. So they're one of the three big federal bodies that funds university level research. Um, and um, like, not only do I have to like, I have like a page to make a pitch to them about how great my research topic is and like how good of an idea I have all the sources, but I also have to like, like present the other literature done on the topic to show like, oh, I'm doing something new and novel and like show, oh, I've got a research question that nobody's ever approached before. Um, and w- one of my, like, one of the process helped me review this application was like, oh, you need to add this source to this source. Otherwise, it sounds like you really haven't reviewed this literature yet. It's like, and you're like, you really haven't? I really <laughs> But I will definitely add that to my bibliography. Thank you for the note. <laughs> so you're getting a little bit of help. Do you, do you feel equipped to do this whole funding seeking out funding thing um i, I mean somewhat because like i i have worked I, I worked for the last two years at cgsr halftime as like a grant writer right. which was nice so i like you know I, I got some i didn't get some and you know trying to learn from <laughs> both of those things on on the application part it's like yeah. Grant writing is definitely one of those mediums where like you really, really, really have to write for your audience. You cannot write generically and expect to get funding. You have to write to exactly what they want out of you. So if you didn't have that professional background, how like if you were just a 22 year old mm. going straight from undergrad into a master's program, how how would you go about writing a grant? Well, I how mean, would you know how to go about writing a grant? If you're in the history, classics, and religion grad studies program at the U of A, luckily you are forced to take a course where your only assignment for the course is writing this application, which is nice. Like, and we're assigned um, a prof in the department who gets to review it once and, and give us some feedback. And um, we have another prof who reviews it, another student who reviews it. So, like, that goes through some drafts. Um, yeah, but if you, <laughs> I, I, yeah, for, for folks who like don't have that kind of support, this is a grant you can also apply for before you get to grad school. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, like, like the, there are so many scholarships and grants and stuff that, that like, don't, they don't have a class attached to them that'll help you learn how to get it. And, um, yeah, I don't know how you develop those kind of skills. Like I, I, people have asked me a couple times, asked me at CGSR, like, Hey, can you teach me like how to do some of the grant writing? Can I like shadow you? And I, I never had time or like authorization to help. <laughs> 
<laughs> to like even get help on that. Um, so I don't even know where people get that like informally. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you mentioned that part of this is having a research question. Yeah. And that so that's as I understand it, that's a big part of what you've been working on throughout this whole time too. So so where are you with that? Yeah. Um, so we had reading week a couple weeks ago, which was great. Um, uh, Finn and I went out to um, Kootenai National Park and Yoho National Park uh, um, uh, for funsies, hot springs, looking around <laughs> um, with a couple research. of friends. Um, some like very very light research. Like uh, we went out to radium just for fun, basically. Um, uh, and see my grandparents for dinner or whatnot. And then um, when we went to Yoho, we stopped in field and did like a, a little couple of us did a little hike around Emerald Lake. So Yoho National Park is on the BC side of the border. Um, to get to it, you drive through Banff, Lake Louise um, from Alberta, and you come through the town of Field, and the road down to Field is so steep. Um, the railway, um, when they first built it, like they had three runaway lanes, I think, for trains because the they just like constantly had engines like going too fast and crashing coming down that hill, um, and um, you just have this little tiny town um, in the midst of these super tall mountains, and it's just gorgeous. And we got there, and it was snowy, um, and uh, we decided to drive out to. Emerald Lake and and a couple of us took a hike around it just to sort of soak in the lake itself. Um, this super beautiful kind of jade colored lake to me. Um, I can't believe how clear those reflections are. You can see like basically the entire mountain reflected in the water. Yeah, I got a good shot of it. Yeah? And in the background you can see the um, space between Mount Lopta and Mount Field where um, the Walcott Quarry is, one of the British shale sites, um, and I was just so happy being there. It was it was quiet, but it was wet and slushy, and um, we saw some Dolly Varden char and some rainbow trout, I think, um, swimming in the lake, which was kind of weird to see. Um, and one of them just stared at us in the water for a few minutes, and uh, it was good. We had a little snowball fight, and it was nice just to touch base with why I want to learn more about this place because it's beautiful and it feels really important, and I just want to add a little piece to what we know about it. So the first draft of this application. Um, one of my profs told me like this, so interesting topic what you've written here is a phd level topic because i had proposed like a hundred years time span because um like it, around the 1880s that's when the national park is founded that's when cp rail is coming through the kicking horse pass that's when tunaha people are like being forced to move on to a reserve um and then 1909 is when some of the interesting paleontology stuff starts happening and then I knew like some of the interesting paleontology books about the fossils in the Burgess Shale were written in the like 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, and then while we were in field doing this hike around Emerald Lake, I, 
I, I read, oh, right, dang it. Um, okay, so this was the important year of like access to these fossil sites. Is 1980 is when the Burgess Shale got UNESCO World Heritage Site designation. Um, uh, and that seems to be an important year for like putting a stop on like people just being able to walk up to those sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's too much time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like several chapters <sighs> in a book. Yeah. Sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know uh, what, what I'm working on with the help of some, I process like a new version kind of, of, of my thesis that would be like, okay, so if I just focus on like the first 30 years of that, there are moments where there's potential for interaction between paleontologists, parks officials, people working in mining, Tunaha people, um, people in the town side of field like alpine alpine club of canada and stuff that if i just look at some of those interactions maybe in those first 30 years maybe it's like foreshadowing for power relationships that develop later maybe i don't know exactly yet but that's kind of where i'm at (laughs) okay i think i think i see what's happening so so research question is the question of what you're researching Kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I've got to figure out, yeah. What am I investigating? More in a minute. But first, Let's Find Out is brought to you in part by the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed Podcast. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of the Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which also features one of my favorite local podcasts these days. That's a thing. Uh, When I need something low stress, low stakes, it's just a couple nice people to hang out with. I listen to That's a Thing. Hello and welcome to That's a Thing, a sometimes belated, already outdated guide to your teens, tweens, and everything under 20. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Karen. Every month we have a conversation across the generation gap about media, pop culture, society, the internet, that kind of thing. Karen is my mom, and she's old. (laughs) I am her daughter, and I am young. Together we are one human being, here to share with you. Uh, Sometimes we bring in another human being, who is Elizabeth's brother, John, to do a deep dive into memes and stuff like that. Hi. Thank you, John. Uh, We were named the Outstanding Kids and Family Series at the 2020 Canadian Podcast Awards, so we have that going for us. Yes, and we will brag about it until the day the podcast ends, because I am petty. (laughs) You can find That's a Thing in the podcatcher of your choice. That is That's a Thing question mark exclamation point you can also find us at albertapodcastnetwork.com is that everything i think that's it thanks sweetheart bye Um, and I also, so I also touch base with Dylan to see how he's doing. So, like, the 
path I've gotten is you're writing a book. <laughs> this is a PhD project. Find something to focus on. That, yeah, that's. Has it? Have you found a chunk? Um. I have to I have to kind of rewrite it and I don't know which direction to rewrite it in there's like a few options I could do I could continue to try and do this extinction paradox thing and be like okay I'm gonna look at the the trout and the bears and the sheep and think about how the government has written about them and tried to do stuff about them but that means reading a lot of science and law so I'm not super stoked on it mm. um for a proposal the thing that has actually <laughs> i finally understand what you were saying like a month ago about how you've been reading those books in our class to try and find out methods like and how like what are the primary sources they're working from because mm. i finally understood i'm like oh <laughs> this is how history works you need to find primary sources to analyze and not just weave together what people have already written. Um, so I'm finally being like, okay, Dylan, what are your primary sources? What are you analyzing? Are you going to interview people? Are you going to find like this specific archive material? And for the sake of writing a concise and compelling um, proposal. I'm thinking of just focusing on the Ghost Rider Curse of Bernie and specifically um, the ways that it's been kind of used to tell stories about Bosa Tunaha and coal mining from the perspective of the citizens of Bernie. So, like settler myths and the ways that they justify coal mining and kind of blame the Tunaha for anything bad that happens to them. Um, um, I might try and rewrite it like that, but really, Chris, I'm lost. Like, there's all these things where I'm like, I could write about this, write about this, and it's even a few days, and I have to kind of rewrite it. The way you talked about the ghostwriter myth was fascinating the other day. Um, for the for do you mind? sharing that for the podcast here sure so it'll be good practice for me um basically there is a ghost rider curse that is kind of an origin myth of the town of Ferdy, and it is very prevalent in the town the logo of the town of Ferdy is kind of this image of a horse and a rider and that image comes from an, uh, a shadow on Mount Hogsmuir that looks like a horse and a rider with two people behind it. So that image represents the story of the curse, which is basically it's been told a lot of different ways. Like if you look it up online, there's all these variations, but the basic gist of it is that William Fernie, is the founder of the town of Fernie, is moving through the valley and he meets this daughter of the chief of the local Tunaha nation and she's wearing a necklace of coal of black shiny stones and he's like wow that's cool where'd you get that coal 
and she's like, you'll have to ask my dad. So he asked the chief, where did you get the coal? And the chief's like, I'll show you if you marry my daughter. And William Perry's like, of course, I'd love to marry your daughter. Just show me where the coal is. And he shows him where the coal is. And William Perry's like, nice, now I have access to coal. I'm not going to marry your daughter at all. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and he rides off and starts the coal mine and doesn't marry the daughter. And the chief is mega pissed. And he curses William Ferdy. And the curse includes fires, floods, and pestilence or disease. And the town of Fernie actually experiences a whole bunch of disasters between like 1900 and 1910. The town burns down once and then it rebuilds out of all of these like fireproof brick buildings and then it burns down again. And there's a big flood of the Elk River and there's a huge strike, a huge minor strike. And there's all this stuff that happens. And I was looking into this and thinking, wow, that's really interesting. And you find out that um, there's, there's this one video about it where there's a fellow going through and kind of exploring it. And he goes to a few different people who tell different versions of the story. And then he goes to the Chinaha Nation and asks them about it. And the fellow who is being interviewed um, basically says, like, we don't curse people. We have no history of cursing people. This is totally a settler story. Um, this is something they made up. And the guy asked them, like, oh, okay. Um, that's strange. Why do you think he made, they made it up? And he's like, well, kind of just sounds like they're blaming us for anything bad that happens to them. Um, <laughs> it's like... And then this apparently is part of the, when he talks to locals too, this is kind of how it went, was that if anything bad happens, like, um, there's a bad storm, or your toothache, oh, it's the curse. It's the curse of Bernie. That's what's going on here. And interestingly enough, in the late 60s, there's a huge, the coal mine closes. And with the closure of the coal mine, people are like, oh, it's the curse. And so the mayor of Fernie um, actually goes to the Tunaha and is like, hey, can you lift this curse? <laughs> and they participate in kind of appeasing and being a part of this ceremony where the mayor smokes the peace pipe and the, the chief ceremonially lifts the curse. And ever since, the town of Fernie has kind of used that to say, Things are good. The town is booming. Um, the curse has been lifted. Everything is good now. And, yeah, it's like a really prevalent symbol in the town. It, it's, it was the logo for a very long time. It's the logo of the local hockey team who have this basically... The, the logo is a horse being ridden by a caricature of a First Nations chief that's a skeleton with like a big headdress. Very insulting, kind of disturbing. 
Um, but it's like this very prominent myth of the town about the origin of where it came from. And it's really fascinating, and there's a lot to chew on there. So what what would your... Uh, the story is hilarious, by the way. Um, every, every part of it, um, both the... I don't know, it just sounds so Parks and Recreation to me. Um... <laughs> Like that episode where they have the um, Taiwanese animation of Leslie being cursed. Wait, I'm sorry, but do people in this town really believe in curses? Oh, no, no. We all just behave rationally and believe we are all in charge of our own destinies. Come on. How would you make an environmental history-focused research question about that myth? This is a good question. Oh, yeah, poor Dylan. <laughs> um, so, okay, so so first he, we talked about how impossibly how impossibly complicated this research application website is. We talked about like you have to fill out this thing called a Canadian Common CV. I don't know if you ever had to make one of these. Um, Not a scholar. It is like you can't just upload your CV which is different from a resume it's like you know a different kind of language you're speaking it's written in latin isn't it uh this one i mean it stands for curriculum vitae i guess but no luckily i don't have to write it in latin um but instead of just like uploading one document Mm. oops oh sorry i almost spilled your beer um we're definitely not drinking beer during the podcast taping chris come on (laughs) definitely not (laughs) um uh i have to fill out like as many of these sections as I can. I'm scrolling through like like a hundred different fields in this Canadian Common CV website where I have to like click the little pencil and like add, oh, have I done any interesting litigations related to this field? And then tediously add one and like seven fields to it. It yeah, I don't know. This just feels like it's gonna take forever. Um yeah. Every part of this process feels like it's designed to like weed out those who are weak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you are keeping things together. Mm-hmm. You're you're obviously really invested in this and still having fun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's really it sounds like it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Is there um, is there anything that you kind of wish you'd known at the beginning of the term? to get you to this place in a in in better condition um i wish i'd known a lot more about soviet history because my <laughs> my history writing essay um i, I think i'm going to pick pick a topic about an early soviet historian this guy pokrovsky but like i i know almost nothing about the 1917 revolutions um, so if I'd had that background, that would make this essay a little bit easier. Uh, just sort of like skills wise, uh, I don't know. Some of this feels like, like, how would you know ahead of time that the University of Alberta, they the only way you can get transcripts from them doesn't allow you to download them as a PDF, but the place where you need the transcript, you need to have a PDF. How, like how would, who would I even have asked about that beforehand? You know, mm. it's some of these things I, I feel like, uh, there's, there's, hardly anyone to blame except like some kafka-esque nightmares of bureaucracy does grad school have to be so kafka-esque well like like your job doesn't sound like it was that like that yeah uh i don't know you're a professional historian kind of (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think it has to be this difficult. I could see an argument for like some more systems to like, like being a historian laureate. I lo- I love all of you listening. I appreciate you listening to this podcast, but rarely is this like podcast like, like filtered through anything close to like a peer review or like a like a a, a rigid sort of like academic framework where anyone's like. F- like going through and fact checking. Although I do have a correction from the last episode. Tori is <laughs> not the tallest building on campus. The Dice building is now. Um, Donna Deo. Yeah. Thank you to uh, Michaela and Don for fact checking us on that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't I, I guess, I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. But no, I don't think it has to be quite, quite this different. Like you're working at a higher standard of rigor now. Yeah. Now that you're in grad school. Yeah. How does the how does the student community in your department is it holding together? Do you feel like it's healthy? Um, uh, my perception of it is like um, people are like kind of overworked and just like putting their heads down. But I don't know. Spirits seem okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you find some way to kind of celebrate the end of term with your peers. Yeah. And. Uh, and I hope the next couple of days go really well for you. <laughs> Once you get back to your banana and your paper. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Let's Find Out is produced by Trevor Chow Fraser and me, Chris Chang and Phillips. It's made in Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichi, Wiskaigon on Treaty 6 territory. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. We read all your messages, even if we don't always have a chance to write back. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Instagram and Facebook, too. Thanks to Dylan Hall for speaking with us for this episode. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting the podcast, especially Finn. Original music for this podcast is by the intangibly lovely human being, Doug Hoyer, who has a new album out, Getting Older. And uh, you can stream it, you can buy it on Apple Music or Bandcamp or whatever, and you can also buy it as a pair of socks. What? <laughs> you get a pair the of socks. The lyrics are printed on the socks? Uh, the, the, the two lyrics of Getting and Older are on the socks, yeah. Um, so you buy the socks and then you get a digital download of the album, which is pretty cool. You gotta innovate if you're a musician these days. (laughs) (laughs) Go download Doug's album. Until next time, keep your questions coming.